This is Sound and Vision from KEXP. I'm Emily Fox. The New York via Cameroon artist Leticia Tomko, who goes by the moniker Vagabond, released her third album on September 15th. It's called Sorry I Haven't Called. It's her most upbeat, produced, and poppy album to date, especially on her singles Can I Talk My Shit. Carpenter, Lexicon, and Do Your Worst. She plays with pitch shifting on her voice in her song Passing Me By. Auto tune on You Know How. And vocal layering on Made Out with Your Best Friend. On this record, I just wanted to use my voice in a way that felt like an instrument to be played with. This is a far cry from the bedroom indie rock sound we heard on her debut album back in 2017. Vagabond made a name for herself on her self-titled release in 2019 with the songs Flood, and especially Water Me Down. It really waters me down. That track, Water Me Down, was co-produced by Vagabond's dear friend, Eric Littman. He died in 2021. He was also a musical collaborator with Julie Byrne, who we heard from recently on the show. Like Julie Byrne's latest album, this record from Vagabond was largely shaped by Littman's passing. I recently caught up with Vagabond as she reflected on Eric Littman and his impact on her, making upbeat music through grief, and retreating to Germany for a mental reset while she made this record. This album, it's a miracle it even exists. It's a miracle I even did it, and let alone to be exploring any kind of lightness or happiness while also exploring deep despair on songs like anti or Autobahn or Nothing to Lose. I didn't know if I would ever finish it, really. I, I was in such a bereaved and grieving place. And I do think it's pretty miraculous that through the grief, I, you know, it's an accomplishment in and of itself to finish a body of work in general. And, and, I, and I stand by it as something that I'm really proud of. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm curious if you'd be comfortable just describing Eric as a human and just his impact on music. Eric Lippmann left such a vibrant and generous stamp on this world. And he impacted so much of our musical lives, not just mine, but also Julie's and Countless, countless, countless artists from New York and and all over the country, really. And there's really no one else like him. I mean, his generosity inspired me. He had this true lust for life and in a way that made you feel like you needed to live life with as much buoyancy as he did. And he was my family. And 
and Julie Byrne is my family. And one of the things that Eric, through his collective Phantom Posse, which I was a part of, and Julie and so many of our wonderful friends, his mantra was always forever underground. And it, and it's like the idea was that no matter where music takes us, we have this community and this home that we will just continue to make art. And I strive to make him proud and to honor his legacy every day. And all of these albums that have sprouted um, from this tragedy serve to continue his legacy out in, out in the world. All these albums are for him, through him, wouldn't exist without him. Didn't he also inspire you to self-produce your own records? Yes. One of my most successful songs to date, Water Me Down, is a song that Eric and I made together in his extremely small closet-sized bedroom in Brooklyn. And I remember being just an instrumentalist and a songwriter, and he bought me Logic for the first time and sent me on my way and said, call me if you have any questions and really nurtured me as a producer. And much of how he did that was by telling me that I could be a producer. And it makes me think of how many people, especially women and femme people, how many would produce and <laughs> if if seen that way for their skill set. Um, and he really he really changed my life in that way because I, I've produced my music since the beginning through that, through that Eric Lippmann cheerleading. Mm, that's amazing. That's so amazing. You know, and then listening to this album, you know, it's 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 very up tempo. And I'm curious. This is obviously following a time of grief, and and I'm curious why you think that you were able to turn to this up tempo sound versus you know a more somber sound. I'll be honest, I felt tremendous guilt about the music that was coming out of me in this time. I couldn't understand why. I, I fully thought I would make a somber record. I had all these things that I wanted to say, but it turned out that I didn't want to say those things on on songs I, I I was having those conversations in my life I was having those conversations with Julie I was having those conversations with grief counselors and so the music I was making ended up being kind of opposite from the grief I was living in it was almost this escape it's it really was a form of escapism for me and and an honor to Eric's life because he lived so vibrantly and I kind of been accustomed to living more inward in a in a way of self protection, and I almost found myself wanting to honor parts of his personality that I wished that I was more like, which involved this kind of dancing and just saying the thing that you feel and not really knowing that life is short. Really, he always knew that that we don't have forever and. I was always living like I have a <laughs> hundred more years. And so within grief, I found myself making these, you know, 150 BPM songs in this way of, I don't have forever. I'm feeling this urgency to 
be loud and take up space in a way that I really never have felt called to before. And I have to seize this moment because it could just be this moment and I have to document it. And I did that with Sorry, I Haven't Called. Mm, yeah. And there, there's a, a few tracks on this record where I can hear some of, I feel like you are reflecting on some of that grief. You know, there's a lot of, again, very joyous 150 beats per minute tracks on here. But there was a line in your song, Passing Me By, where I feel like you're reflecting on mortality a bit in here. And the line is, searching around for those who never had a head start in this life while I felt so behind, writing it down, making it count, hoping I get something right while I'm still around. Searching around for those who never had a head start in this life while I felt so behind. Writing it down, making it count, hoping I get something right while I'm still Can you break that line down for me? Yeah, that one still makes me, I have chills just mm-hmm. <laughs> hearing it. That That's one of the songs that I, I still feel very moved by, specifically that line, because it's very much a conversation that I would have with Eric about this world. And, and both of us come from science backgrounds. I studied engineering in school. He was a scientist by day. and one of our main points of connections were that we were scientists and and musicians. And I've often looked to him to soothe my <laughs> my qualms about, will I have enough time before I die to make my life count? And I think people who hurt a lot understand each other deeply. And that line specifically is me writing the most honestly I've ever been on a song these songs are some of the most honest I've I've ever been without abstract language or poetry to hide behind really feeling like a lot of people got started on a lot of things earlier than me and grappling with my own mortality which happens when when you're grieving the death of a loved one and if I'll have time and if I will leave enough behind to be remembered. That's kind of what passing by is about entirely, you know, even just asking to be held <laughs> as a navigate, you know, whether I'll I'll do something impactful enough to to warrant being remembered. Well, I've got to say, yeah. you you are making a huge impact, and I, your music is being noticed, and I believe it will definitely be remembered. Um, following Eric's passing, you moved to a small village in Germany for a while. Can you talk about that experience and in how Germany impacted these songs on this record? I needed space. I needed privacy. I needed to be bored. Uh, because one thing that I, I think people didn't tell me about the grief was that you'd find every possible way to avoid it, mm-hmm. <laughs> to avoid feeling it. It's just so unbearable that, you know, if I see a piece of paper out of order, that will become my mission for the day. So I almost needed to extract all of the distractions from my life, which now in saying it sounds completely intense and jarring to <laughs> to just like leave your entire world and, and be isolated. But 
it really helped me. And I was with two really great friends of mine who helped me. Probably they were also making sure I, was, I didn't lose my mind. Uh, and I spent, you know, those months just hearing myself think and and seeing what I felt about things and, and being a wreck and spilling out onto the floor whenever it called for it and getting up and making a song maybe, you know? I mean, reflecting back, were there certain memories that really stick with you from that initial trip to Germany that you were like, I'm really glad I did this because, you know, of this memory? There are so many. I mean, every home-cooked meal that me and my two friends who really just like lived there with me, it was amazing. It felt like summer camp. Mm. Every home-cooked meal that we made, every time we made the, the table, and it was, you know, it was just the three of us, but we'd make the table beautifully every time. We'd care about the presentation. We'd um, there was an inflatable hot tub in the backyard <laughs> and we'd after dinner go in the inflatable hot tub and look at the stars and be under the night sky. I mean, I have endless, endless memories and I'm someone who likes to dream a lot. And especially when I'm in deep despair, I need to have dreams or else I feel like I'm dying. And, and so it almost feels like it isn't me, but my past self knew to create memories that I can keep looking back on that, that I could be fond of. And they're just like, so I could write a book of the memories I, I have from, from Germany. Mm, that sounds wonderful. And I'm so glad you're able to do that. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious, is there, I mean, there's so many wonderful tracks on this record, but is there one that really stands out to you that you're particularly fond of or that has mm. special meaning to you? Yeah. Well, anti and Autobahn, those two, I think, where I get to pour my heart out in a way that serves the album as a whole, because I think that's what makes it complex. Like I couldn't have an album of 150 BPM, even though I love Do Your Worst and it was so fun to make, like I couldn't do that 12 times. So I like to point those out as album songs that aren't the singles that I really want people to listen to and passing me by because it's really where I'm sharing the lows to make the highs of the record feel more impactful. That was my conversation with Vagabond. Her latest album, Sorry I Haven't Called, was released on September 15th. She'll be playing at Madame Lou's in Seattle on Friday, December 8th. That was Sound and Vision. To hear more about the musical impact of Eric Littman, tune into a recent Sound and Vision podcast episode featuring Julie Byrne. We pushed it out two episodes ago on this feed. And speaking of feed, if you can take two minutes of your time and before you get out of this podcast app, subscribe to this podcast, rate it and review it. Those little things go a long way and letting people know that this podcast exists. It's kind of like free advertising, which is kind of a big deal 
for KXP because we're a publicly funded station. We rely on listener support to do what we do because the majority of our funding comes from listeners. So word of mouth goes a huge way. Um, you can also help financially support this show with a one-time $20 donation at kexp.org sound. But most of all, thanks for listening.